Hello, and welcome to the Blue Earth Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Future Frogmen, a not-for-profit organization focused on keeping our waters safe, clean, and protected. This podcasting event focuses on five university students and their attempts to create environmentally conscious products that alleviate some of the problems caused by modern society. Today's episode is the second of three installments that are going to be releasing this week that talk about some of these issues and ways to create better products that are more sustainable using something that you might be familiar with, especially if you watched our last episode, kelp. So I'm not going to give too much away, but let's get into it. Let's introduce Heather Cushing. Heather's a senior and she's a geography major with a concentration in geographical information systems, which we probably more commonly know as GIS. Heather has a fun idea regarding how here in Connecticut we can celebrate kelp. So we'll turn it over to you, Heather. Thank you for all listening. I was also part of Dr. Heidkamp's class um, with Larissa and Danielle. And my idea is a little different. It's not so much a product, but a festival, which would be Connecticut Kelp Fest, um, first of its kind. It would be a two-part event to kind of shed light on the kelp industry and foster a network within and between the various businesses pertaining to kelp, such as kelp farmers, buyers, restaurants, vendors, innovators, and also it it would be a way to educate the public about kelp benefits, both environmentally and nutritionally. Um, So the first part would be a one-day festival, which would be held probably after kelp would be harvested. Kelp is harvested in May, so hopefully the end of May, beginning of June and it would be held outdoors. And it would consist of typical festival events, um, music, scheduled educational and informational presentations by local kelp farmers and researchers, as well as kid-friendly activities to draw families. And we'd also try to incorporate um, some maybe kelp tastings and kelp dishes from various local restaurants, and maybe even have a kelp dish cook-off. And then there would be raffles two restaurants promoting the next part of the event, which would be restaurant week. With that, um, customers would be able to purchase tickets to sample three course meals at participating restaurants throughout Connecticut with kelp being the featured ingredient in all the courses. Tickets would be reasonably priced between 20 and $25 for a three course meal. And we'd also encourage local breweries as the microbrew industry in Connecticut is thriving. I think there's over 110 and they could possibly come up with kelp beer, which I think some of them have. So, you know, the restaurants would benefit. They would pay for a membership um, for that week. It would help promote their restaurant, create communication between the restaurants and the kelp farmers, uh, increase their menu options for vegan as well as vegetarian dishes, which they may not have. Kelp farmers would also pay for a booth and it would provide the growers with more demand, enable networking between the kelp farmers and prospective buyers and promote interaction between the farmers. And then the general public would also pay for you know, a ticket to the one day festival. And that would provide them with knowledge and create awareness about kelp farming and its environmental advantages. And again, it's in the preliminary stages right now, but I think a lot of people would kind of grab onto it as Connecticut is a small town state and they thrive off of community. And its purpose would be to engage the community at all levels and cultivate interest for this sustainable eco-friendly industry. So have you read about uh, garlic festivals? <laughs> yes. You yep. sort of model it after that, but it's kelp. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it's, been, it's been done and people have managed to get these things continuing on for decades. It's, uh, the yep. in California was very popular. Maine does have one too. Maine has a, some sort of a kelp week maybe. Yeah. 
I helped somebody start an eco group called Live Green Connecticut a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And they basically run Earth Day celebrations across the state. The contact there is someone named Daphne Dixon. Okay. We can give you an idea of what things cost. Yeah. How you get the word out, you know, how you get, uh, you know, speakers and music and entertainment, all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Um, we can help you. Thank you. By the way, the uh, garlic capital of the world is uh, Gilroy, California. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? A garlic festival here in Fairfield at uh, Notre Dame High School. Once you cook it, it's fine. Oh, it's awesome. (laughs) Put it it on the grill and cook it. I haven't tried cooking uh, uh, kelp. Can you do that? I guess. Yeah. Boil it. Yeah. So how many registered kelp farmers are there in Connecticut? I think there's like 15 or around there. I think there, I mean, it's growing. And and is there an association of kelp growers? Yeah, that's, yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, it's definitely a, a growing industry. I know that, you know, there's a lot of interest. Um, I think it's there. I just think it's such a young industry that not many people know about. I had no idea that there was a camp industry before I started doing this, before this class, in Connecticut anyway. You could be the founder of the Kelp Growers uh, Foundation for Connecticut and do as your initial fundraiser, the Kelp yeah. Festival. You could make it your life's work. You know, it's a good question. Is there any association? Is there any organized industry marketing? Is there any lobbying? I mean, yeah, listen, if there is, you want to speak to them and you want to approach them as a, as a compliment to what they're doing. Right. Or they'll, or they'll see you as a threat. Right. So find out what's out there. And there might be an alignment with what they already have going that can help you start at second base versus home plate. Yeah, Greenwave is a big, they do a lot of, you know, they're a nonprofit organization in Brantford. So I think, I think the interest is there. I just think it's so unknown at this point, but I'd like to get it out there. Is there a cultural dimension to this? You know, uh, Matt in the chat was saying as a beer drinker from Wisconsin, you know, he, the idea of beer doesn't like appeal to him. But I know that in Wisconsin, they've tried making ice cream out of everything. I had ice cream there from orange peels at one point, right? Uh, is there, you know, and I guess kelp is used in uh, certain, uh, you know, uh, wasabi and that kind of stuff, right? Is there, yeah. is, is there mean, any, any kind of a cultural group that you could appeal to to get started? Well, I think vegan and vegetarian dishes, I think that, okay. you know, that would help incorporate those dishes into restaurants menus that, broaden their menu and it would attract people that don't eat meat. I mean, I think that, you know, it's super healthy and very beneficial um, health-wise. So I think that that might be the route mm-hmm. to take. As Heather, far as how promo- many varieties of kelp are there? I don't, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Well, um, let's say, we'd be let's focusing say, on sugar kelp for Connecticut. Oh, okay. Okay. But is there, is there a, you know, uh, what's the scientific classification for, for kelp? Anyone on the call now? I'm not sure. What was the question? There, there's, there could be some marketing clues in there. Uh, what, what the, uh, Matt, you're the scientist. <laughs> what, what's the, uh, <laughs> doctor, listen, Dr. Miller. Let's add this to the list of things about which I know less than nothing, which means what I think I know is probably wrong. Anyway, that could be, uh, you know, that could be flavors or, or something. 
you know, I, I suspect this cooking this stuff's going to kind of be like uh, rhubarb, you know? If you, um, ever, if you ever cook rhubarb, it's the first weed that's up in the spring. It's delicious. I don't think it's that bad. I don't like that. I don't like rhubarb. <laughs> um, Mix some strawberries in. It's delicious. Yeah, right? I guess maybe if you put garlic with it, it would be good. Heather, <laughs> <laughs> great job. Yeah. Uh, interesting idea and uh, some good questions and uh, suggestions from, from the panel. So uh, very good. Next into the tank is Derek Faulkner. Derek's a senior, also studying environmental systems and sustainability studies with a concentration on coastal and marine. And Derek is brewing up a kelp-based creation. Thanks, Richard. All right, so what I'm designing is a value-added beverage, and it's utilizing kelp as an ingredient and a selling point. And so we were just talking about tastes, and I'll get to that a little later as we go through. So for background, kombucha, what this is is a fermented tea that's known for its health benefits, mainly antioxidant and probiotic. So this is kind of something that was previously more of a niche food. Um, now you can see this at chains like Stop and Shop. So for example, PepsiCo recently brought this company, Kavita, which technically isn't actually a kombucha, but it's marketed right next to them, sold as sort of the same product. So in 2018, we saw the growth rate of kombucha was 40% in the USA. So in five years, they're predicting sales revenue to hit like two and a half billion. It's a growing industry. My target audience would be in New England, people surrounding Long Island Sound, because that's the kelp industry that I'm looking to promote. So like Dan said, the Lojas is a big market. We're looking at health conscious consumers, looking at consumers seeking carbonated alternatives to alcohol. We're looking at consumers looking to support small businesses and ones looking that are concerned about the environment. So what this is would be, the, we'd be marketing the environmental benefits of kelp aquaculture added to the health benefits of kelp plus the health benefits of kombucha. And so what I liked about this was the feasibility. You know, I'm not exploring new territory, but the kombucha market already exists. This is prevalent in New England. It's a growing industry. We don't have to deal with much processing. We can use fresh kelp right here from Long Island Sound. We don't have to deal with drying or anything. This is just blended, you know, blanched, blended, frozen, and then we can use it in the product. And even if we have a facility established, a brewing site, we can essentially bypass a processing facility. So if we were getting creative, we could also market this, kombucha can be non-alcoholic or alcoholic. So you have two options here to branch off into. Um, there's already actually two tap rooms for kombucha in Connecticut, if anyone didn't know. And so I'm expecting with this industry growing to see more. And so similar to the craft beer industry, that's kind of what I'm looking at. It's almost a model. And uh, like Heather said, we have over a hundred microbreweries now in Connecticut alone. And so similar to that industry, we can also use contract brewing as a method of lowering the upfront cost. So we can brew this at another tap room. We can even use similar tactics that the small craft beer industry did to get the brand started. So sampling would be a big part of brand awareness. And like I mentioned earlier, taste wouldn't be an issue. So if anyone has ever tasted kelp, it's actually really mild. Once you blanch it, it's, it's, very, it's almost bland, to be honest. And there's actually multiple kombucha companies that are using algae in their products already. So a lot of them are targeting they're looking at blue-green algae, which has, it's a big in a health community. Uh, they're yeah. using that for its health benefits. So that has, to be honest, that spirulina, blue-green algae, those things kind of have a nasty taste, to be honest. If you were to take a spoonful of that, you'd gag. So kelp, on the other hand, you can market this as a healthy ingredient, but it's very, very mild. You don't need a lot of this in the bottle. You just put a little bit in there and it's part of the product. Um, this is something you could put 
as a base recipe for multiple brand variants, or you could have one flavor, I guess, that's just kelp-based and other flavors based on the brand. So I'm actually gonna work on some at home right now. It's really easy to make. Like I mentioned earlier, we don't need a lot of processing. Um, you just essentially ferment tea, you got two stages and the kelp would be added at that second fermentation when you bottle it. And yeah, that's it. Questions? Wow. Well, you got an idea for you. This is something, believe it or not, that Martha Stewart could be interested in as the taste and style arbiter, wanting to be uh, leading edge with new things and so forth. That's her. She used to live here in Westport and I, I knew people that worked with her. But I, for all the right reasons that you just, you know, that you just mentioned, there's a brand out there that may want to have, uh, could be a, a sidecar for you. Okay. Okay. So, you know, once again, before you get started, I've, I've always a big believer that let, let's find out who's do, who else is doing this and uh, see if we can leverage their knowledge, their expertise, capitalize on the mistakes they made uh, and, and so forth. So, uh, Matt? Well, I was just thinking that in your group in New York, Jeff, between the people who know all about consumer packaged goods and the people who have no food, yeah. I mean, you've got, it seems like every one of these presentations touches on people you already know. You're certainly welcome to send something to me. If you'd like, I'll forward it to them and uh, ask them to uh, spend a few minutes with you. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. We can get in touch afterwards. Sure. What I like about this is that you're leveraging sort of what people have learned about craft beer. Mm -hmm. And people don't always want things that are generic. Does it matter what the SCOBY is like from one kombucha to the next? Um, that's the nice part about it. Um, glad that you know what that is, by the way. But um, um, so the, the kelp would be added to the secondary fermentation process. So it's not right. even dealing with the SCOBY. Okay. So it's almost like you're adding an ingredient after it's already been fermented. So that, that's it's basically how vodka is made, by the way. Mm -hmm. Right? All the flavor you get of vodka, if there is any, is added after. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the way we make it in Eastern Connecticut anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I grew up in the hills of Virginia. We used to make our own. So anyway, um, so I like that idea. And if there's, if you can make it so that uh, there's some local variation to it, maybe uh, just, again, like with the craft beers, you ha you'll have people who want to try it at home that kind of mm -hmm. thing. If you can capture that market too, then it gets really interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, they go to your place to see what it's supposed to taste like. And then they <laughs> try it at home. They say, well, oh, we have a new variety this week. Come try. I, I guess it's also similar to the pot business in that way too, right? <laughs> okay. Right? So model it after things that already exist that have been successful with this kind of- uh, yeah. One more thing. Week. Uh, business model. I think you could learn a lot. It might work. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's such a thing maybe as a kelp cookbook? Well, there are lots of parts of the world where people have been eating a lot of kelp for a long time. Absolutely. Right? So there's like a dessert cookbook that everybody swears by. It's from some little restaurant in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I'm trying to remember what it is. Uh, it's like if you go into, at least anybody my age, anyway, my generation, you go into their kitchen, you'll find one copy of this one cookbook that's only about desserts. Right. So here's where we ought to go with this. We ought to actually take this whole program, all of these kelp entrepreneurs, and get them on, on House and Garden TV uh, <laughs> together with the Barefoot Contessa. Okay. Pedal to pedal to the broader health conscious audience. Yeah. 
and you know Jeffrey lives in New Haven, right? Clearly, you guys don't have wives who live watching the Barefoot Contessa while I'm washing the dishes. But these are brilliant yeah. ideas, every single one of them. And I think wrapped around the notion of, of locally sourced product that's environmentally sound, I think the key to all of the food things is it's got to taste good, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm astonished by the quality of these presentations. That's great. We haven't even gotten to Lewis. So actually, that, the cookbook, that's a great idea for Heather. Like, that's something you could be handing out with purchase of a ticket for your event. You know, for the festival, you get a cookbook when you, when you come in. Like Matt's right, too. Parts of the world, folks have been eating this stuff for mm -hmm. centuries. So there's got to be a cookbook somewhere and, or more and get them translated. Right. Mm. And people must have figured out how to make it taste good. Well, we make, we make a specific Long Island Sound cookbook. Play on that local aspect. Right. Sure. Exactly. A little hint of diesel oil. <laughs> Very good. Only, only once you get close to New York City. Matt, I want to tell you, I was down at the beach yesterday and the water is crystal clear. So I shouldn't take everybody here off track, but if there is ever any evidence of the human impact on the environment, look how clean everything has gotten since people stopped consuming stuff. The air's clean, the water's clean. No airplanes. Right. Okay. So well, the, awesome. The noise pollution. Next. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good job, Derek. Uh, yeah. Thank you, panel. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Blue Earth Podcast. You can find us on social media at Future Frogmen or at our website at futurefrogmen.org. Give you one more episode releasing on Friday that discusses the last product in this little series that's going to close out Blue Economy. So please come back on Friday. Check us out. And remember, anyone can be an ocean ambassador. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.